Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 125, John and Wendy, Ask Us Anything. (laughs) I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? Wendy, I am very well. Want to start as as we always have the, for this month. We want to thank the folks at Talent Magnet Institute for again thank sponsoring you. this episode and mm-hmm. the in the month. Great things still to come with Mike and the Talent Management. Oh yes, Talent Magnet group. <laughs> but Wendy, we are continuing to be in this COVID world. We unfortunately got some news this week that our trip to Ohio Sherm, yep. at least for this year, is on the shelf. Yep. It's probably for the best. It's sad. Um, all the virtual stuff is sad. Um, we, we we can't deny that. We can't deny that. I'm, I'm sad to not be able to go to Ohio and finally, finally, finally have La Rosa's pizza. Um, but our health and the health of everyone else is so much more important. And uh, if they can do it virtually, then, you know, it'll be okay. It will, and and we will be doing something virtually. I will be yeah. doing something virtually since I was going to be speaking. Mm-hmm. More to come there, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, working with the folks at Ohio Sherm now to work through that process. Yeah. But we did want to let folks know, though. Unfortunately, yet another stop on our world tour yeah. has been has it's, been made virtual, even if we didn't want it to be. Still on hold. It's still on hold. Still on hold. We've started getting together now about every six months to just you and me to catch up and talk a little bit, and I mentioned to you, I was like, why don't we just do an AMA? Yeah. Why don't we see what kind of questions we get? And boy, did we get some interesting <laughs> questions. Y'all had fun. It did. I think this is going to be the most non-HR conversation that we've had. I think uh, so. Just you and me, I think. Yeah. But we did. We got some great questions. We really do appreciate everybody yeah. that took part. Without further ado, Let's dive in. we're going to jump right to it. <laughs> this may be the quickest response to any of them. Wendy, Michael Vandervoort asks, will you be voting for Kanye West to become America's next president since he has announced his intention to run? No, I'm going to no. say it right here. No, uh-uh. you know, we don't get political here, but I, I think that's a pretty safe bet that we'll be OK not voting for Kanye. There, there's our, there's a slogan. It'll be OK. Vote for Kanye. <laughs> I think we should move on to the next question. So uh, Gemma asked. Shouldn't we call out racist behavior instead of name calling? Um, I believe this was in reference to people calling using Karen to call out um, some bad behavior. The short and long of this is yes, we should be calling out racist yeah. behavior and no, don't stoop to name calling because it makes you know better than any of the other people that utilize that as a shield defense you know, look, we're not going to get anywhere if we just yell at each other. And I think that's the very frustrating thing. I think you and I can agree mm-hmm. as we've gotten older and you've seen more and more division, social media doesn't cer- certainly doesn't help. But let's face it, everything around us, people have become much more black and white about many things. And if you don't agree, then I can't reason with you. And I feel incredibly fortunate to be part of this community and to mm-hmm. have a platform like we do where I think we sometimes have people we may not necessarily agree with on everything, right. but we try to find some common ground and we're certainly not going to, I'm not going to call anybody Karen unless that's their name. Well, you know, Karen, Karen is a very specific um, call out to, to someone act, acting in a very specific manner, not simply racism. At this point, it does give you that image. So you know exactly what's being called out. Um, I do agree. 
shouldn't be calling calling people names. I understand folks named Karen have trouble with that, which totally understand. I would have trouble with that as well. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to Julie Sowash on uh, Crazy and the King last week, who said we shouldn't call them Karen, but we should call them Ivanka's. So I thought that was kind of funny, um, taking it a different um, a different way. And there aren't that many people named Ivanka, so less people will get upset about it. I am kidding, everybody. Don't go calling names. It's a good question. And again, the short and long of it is no, no don't no. don't call or don't yes, call, call it out. Don't call, call out names, behavior. but call out don't call, call out the behavior for sure. <laughs> Wendy, I thought this was a really interesting question. Jeffrey W. Shapiro asked, What's the worst piece of feedback you've ever received at work or the worst career advice that's ever been given to you? Oh, I, I think I've talked about this in the past, but um, I had it, it was during my annual review, which I don't like them in any anyway. But um, the feedback was, well, Wendy, you remember that one time six months ago when you did dot, 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 dot. Um, I don't even remember what the actual feedback was, but I do remember getting called out for something that happened six months ago that I couldn't even remember doing. Don't do that, folks. Give feedback right away and then let it go. I agree with you there. And I have two, and they're very, very different. One is, I guess, the feedback at work. I was in a role where I got my performance expectations for the year, so January 1 to December 31. I got the performance expectations on December 28. (laughs) And the review was, it was interesting. Oh, I'm sure. Heidi was ready to fight somebody over it. She was so angry, (laughs) which ought to tell you something. I just kind of laughed about it because I was leaving that group and it really didn't matter to me other than I was, I was angry about it. And I thought, you know, you really set me, you set me up for nothing because I got no feedback throughout the year. I didn't have expectations. What am I working to? It's a moving target. So I went to my new boss and I said, hey, new boss, this sucks. You know me. What do I do? And they said, John, you know, you have every right to respond to it. Sleep on it. Think about it. Sleep on it. And then if you still feel led like you need to respond, do it. And I did that. And I wrote a, I wrote probably more of a response than the actual written review that I got. <laughs> I made a point of saying it's really hard to figure out how to do things or how to fix things if you give me three days, which mm-hmm. let's face it, December 28 to December 31, most of us are on vacation anyway. Right. It's kind of hard. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the worst piece of feedback I ever got or, or lack of feedback. Mm-hmm. The worst career advice I ever got, it was well-intentioned when I was out of work six and a half years ago, whatever it was now, I was told I should shave. And I was like, what? Shave? And they said, you need to shave. It's a look thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm old, I'm fat, I'm gray, and I've got a beard. And if you don't like the beard, you ain't going to like me. So what's the point? Right. It was not meant in an ugly way or, an un- you know, they were just saying, hey, you might want to think about mm-hmm. this. I worked for a VP of HR who hated facial hair on men. Oh. took all the slides of our presentations, not one slide template. Did one single guy have any kind of facial hair at all? <laughs> not even like a, you know, a pencil mustache, nothing. Wow. Sideburns. I mean, no, nothing. nothing. <laughs> I had a beard and another guy had a, a mustache and we agreed that we were never going to get promoted any further than supervisor. Yeah. Like We're like, well, I'm not shaving for this lady because that's stupid. If you really are going to judge me based on my facial hair and you're the head of HR, that's really sad. You be you. Shave, don't shave, wear your hair whatever color you want. You got to be yourself. Yeah. Well, and I think you you had a valid point that, you know, if you don't, if I need to change how I look, change 
the way I talk, you know, any of those things in order to get a job, it's not the right job. It's just not the right job. Absolutely. From Rob Targos, uh, John, what is one piece of advice you would give to other HR pros to relate better to employees? And can you talk about a couple of common mistakes that are made? I'm approaching this from the standpoint of an HR pro that's going into leadership, particularly if you're going into leadership of your peers. You need to be very clear at the outset that it's going to be different. I feel like that's really, really important, particularly if you are moving into a role where, again, you are now all of a sudden overseeing peers setting that expectation. I didn't do that when I first got promoted and it didn't end very well for that first several months. As I brought new teammates on and were training them and got them ingratiated, it was different because I didn't have any history with them, didn't have any experience as it were. And I think the other piece there too is you and I have talked with a lot of different people about recognition and the fact that recognition doesn't have to be hundreds or thousands of millions of dollars. It can be a simple thank you. Make sure that you ask people at the front end, like, what are they, what are they like? Do you like a written note? Would you like to be acknowledged in front of the team or in front of a group? What's your favorite kind of candy? I know that sounds really silly, Wendy, but you know, if I get to know you a little bit more in that personal way, like I know you like Wonder Woman. I know you're a huge fan of Wonder Woman. You got a podcast called Named After for Grant Watt. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, like maybe I get you a Wonder Woman mug or some Wonder Woman pencils or whatever it is. I don't know about you. That to me goes a long way when somebody knows a little bit oh, more yeah. about me. Like my employees got me cases of beer for Christmas every year. They knew <laughs> me well. You know, I think the mistakes can be not necessarily one size does not need to fit all. Right. And, and I think that's true of people you're leading or even in organizations where, you know, if you were working with other employees, don't think one size has to fit all. Find find ways to make it work for everybody and really personalize the experience as best you can. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Rob asked you, Wendy, specifically about advice that you could give other HR pros with respect to recruiting and maybe some common mistakes that are made when it comes to the recruiting process. First off, have a process. <laughs> <laughs> have a process. There's nothing more frustrating than if you're a, as a new recruiter or worse as an experienced recruiter going into a new place where the training is non-existent. Like, oh, well, you know how to recruit people. Boom, go. Honestly, what we what you want to do is have a, a common, consistent process. It doesn't need to be identical because different positions need different things, but have a consistent process. Make sure your recruiters, your administrative staff, whoever's doing it, knows what the expectations are as far as follow up with candidates, as far as screening applications, as far as meeting with hiring managers. What does that even mean to meet with a hiring manager and learn about the position? What do you want to know? And then how are you going to share that with candidates? Still are in the dark ages when it comes to recruitment. In my opinion, we took, for the most part, we took, we have, we have the exact same process we've always had. Somebody fills out an application then they get an interview and, you know, it's, we're just filling it out faster because we're online. Honestly, I would say, figure out what your process is, make some improvements. Don't feel like you have to do the same thing that everyone else is doing, but a common consistent process, I think is the, the most important thing you can do when it comes to recruitment. John, this is uh, from Emily Endert and very uh, timely question. How are people getting candidates to show up for interviews? Emily sent this in, Wendy, with a bit more around it. I think <laughs> this was sent in a bit of frustration <laughs> in her current situation. Look, I think we all know that ghosting, as it's become cool to call it, 
it is a problem for candidates ghosting us as employers. Sadly, sometimes we as employers ghost candidates and are not great on our follow-up. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have to acknowledge that and own that. I think a big part of it is as you're getting candidates prepped to show for up for interviews, I, you know, maybe if you do a phone interview and then you're setting them up for a face-to-face, you know, when you're setting up that face-to-face, are you selling? Are you talking about benefits? Are you talking about this? You know, how are you getting ramped up? How do I get you excited? What is my hook? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's, we're really excited you're coming in, you're meeting with the, you know, not only your manager, the person you're reporting to, you're meeting with this person and this person, and, you know, it's giving them the best picture you can of what to expect. You know, yeah. so often in the past, you know, people would just say, hey, Wendy, show up to this building at seven o'clock yeah. and that's it. Not getting you prepared in any way, maybe sharing a video or something to, again, how do you get a, how, what's the selling point? Right. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I, I think that's what I would recommend as far as getting people to show up is engaging them even more as much as you can up till the day that they're going to be there. We do not do a good enough job as HR professionals as recruitment in in our own follow up. You know, make sure I, I like that, you know, sell it. Make sure that you are engaging them at all times. Do make sure you have a follow up. A lot of um, um, applicant tracking systems have allow you to set up automatic emails, use those emails, use, you know, we don't turn on, we don't use our ATS enough. Um, We don't turn on enough bells and whistles to have it do what we need it to do. Um, So, you know, work with your leadership to get some of that stuff turned on, go research, what can, what can your ATS do and campaign to get some of that stuff turned on. And I think we would like the systems a lot more if we actually use them in the ways that they're designed. I also want a quick plug for our friend, Kevin W. Grossman with the candidate experience mm-hmm. awards, yeah. you know, with the key. So Kevin does a show, a podcast about the called the candies. Yep. I think it's a great show to hear what people that are successful in that space that are getting, you're being recognized for candidate experience does not equate to candidate hired. Right. So, you know, what are those right. folks doing? So I would strongly recommend check out Kevin and, yep. and the candidate experience group or candidate experience awards, see what kind of, you can learn a lot from them. I think that's a, yeah. uh, something that more people should utilize as well. Highly agree. Well, we're at the last HR question. We, <laughs> I think there are a couple of HR, maybe in the podcast, but about the podcast, Christy Engler asks, what's the one change you want to see in HR as a result of the pandemic? Oh, just one thing. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, the pandemic has shown how much HR can pivot how much we can um, jump in and um, take charge and make things happen very quickly. No one's ever had to work this quickly to get people working remotely, um, setting up temperature taking stations, making sure there's enough PPE in an, uh, an organization that doesn't normally need to have any. One thing I want to see in HR is that we don't go back to what we used to be, that we stay this strong, agile part of the organization that can pivot and move and keep the organization rolling, even in the midst of a pandemic. I think we've certainly heard from several of the folks that have been on the show in the last few months talking about that pivoting, how things have changed. And as I've said multiple times, never would have dreamed I'd be podcasting about hand sanitizer recipes, but that's just, that's where we are. So I, I'd absolutely agree. And I think what I'd also like to see is 
you mentioned not going backwards. I think this has taught us that it's happened once. And while we didn't think it was ever going to happen, we never would have dreamed of anything like this in our lifetimes. I don't think, I think we should agree that there's a very high, high possibility that something else comparable could oh, happen. And now sure. that it has yep. making sure that we remember our game plans and remember what we did and remember how we treated our people and all those things. You know, we talk about disaster recovery, right? Like right. my mother-in-law worked in it and that was her job was to, if something hit a state building in Virginia, her group had to figure out how to re- recover all the records and things. Yeah. And we've built policies, procedures and things. And that's great. Like you said, just don't put them on the shelf, make yeah. sure that you're keep, you know, keeping them up to date and, and considering them and Hey, next time, if we start to hear things, yeah. why don't we maybe get started a little earlier in some places? Right. I'm not saying that you are, you are in our organizations necessarily, right. but maybe we could as HR professionals say, Hey gang, what are we doing? How are we doing? Well, and I think it's, you know, um, a good call for HR pros to stay in the know. No, you know, we got to know what's going on in the world. If we're going to, um, uh, if we're going to be able to pivot like that again, Kate Bischoff, she must have been a little bored because she sent a lot of questions in. I think this is going to be AKA the Kate Bischoff question episode. Yeah. Uh, it's the Kate Bischoff question connection. John, if you could be a tree, what tree would you be? I would be a maple tree so I could give you syrup and I would be the Canadian, you know, the Canadian flag. I'm, I'm the, I'm the leaf on the flag to our oh. friends to the North, a maple. What about you, Wendy? A maple. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I live in the Midwest. We don't have a lot of trees, um, but I guess I, you know what? I'm going to do an Aspen tree because they're tall and um, I'm not, <laughs> but I also, I do like when the leaves, Aspen leaves turn color. I think they're very pretty. That question is one of those classic Barbara Walters questions. Yeah, wasn't it? I, it could yeah be. I think so. So, okay, be. Kate, we know who you're cribbing from, yeah. but that's cool. <laughs> Her next question is what Olympic sport would you want to win a gold medal in? My boss actually had this as one of our, we always have um, get to know you questions at the beginning of our meetings. And this was one of them. I don't remember what I said during that meeting, um, but I'm going to go with skiing. Just regular old downhill skiing, nothing crazy. Downhill, okay, downhill. not cross country, not cross country, with, with not shooting a gun and that kind of stuff. Bi, um, yeah, the bi- biathlon, biathlon, right? none of the crazy um, Sean, what's his name? Um, Sean White. None of that crazy stuff. Nope. Uh, Playing downhill skiing. That's that's for me. How about you? Badminton. <laughs> there you go. Our friend Anish Ervin plays badminton quite okay. a bit. But my dad actually played badminton in college on his college team. Oh, my God. So as a kid, we played and we got not super competitive, but in our backyard, it got very entertaining because my dad was (laughs) a a college athlete. I don't, you know, I mean, but yeah, I've always found badminton tremendous fun. And if you watch competitive badminton, it's crazy. Like it's (laughs) kind of like competitive table tennis. It's not what you think it would be. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kate's next question. What food do you vow to never eat again? Octopus. Oh. Tried octopus once. Never again. How about calamari? I I can eat calamari because it's stripped down pretty well and um, is deep fried. The octopus I had was not deep fried. It still had the stickers on it. And it was, and it it wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't just that piece of it that I didn't like, but it was, it was very chewy. And yep. I know calamari is, is chewy as well, but this was even more chewy, and I just I didn't like it. How about you? Celery. 
Really? I hate celery. <laughs> I hate it. You know, obviously I know it's cut up and almost melts into things, but yeah. yeah, just like celery sticks. Like you give me buffalo wings and it's got wings and or celery and carrots. Yeah, you can keep them. Like I <laughs> never think. I think my mom tried to get me to eat as a kid with ants on a log. Right, yep. you put some yep. peanut butter. In. Nope. I nope. didn't. No. No. Not happening. It's it's just not it's happening. A food that's just kind of there. There's nothing. It, yeah, but it, you know, like I just I don't like the texture. It's just a yeah. You know, it's it's, weird, not my it's thing. a weird. It's a weird fruit uh, vegetable. Okay, what candy bar best describes your personality, John? This may be the hardest question of the night. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was going to say Zagnut, but that doesn't really work. Then I was going to say 100 grand, but that doesn't make any no. sense. Whatchamacallit. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> that just, so that describes the podcast, folks. Whatchamacallit. I think it works. I think it does it well. I think it works. I like it. All right, this one I'm very curious about. Tell me about your favorite socks. Yeah. And then and then Kate said, come on, you're old enough to have had a favorite pair of socks. This is actually a hard one because I like new fuzzy socks. I'm at the age that that's what I get at Christmas time. So I like the new ones. But after you wash them a few times, they're, they don't have the fuzz anymore. I, I need a good pair of slippers. I used to have a pair from, I think, Land's End or L.L. Bean that were just fantastic and warm out. But at, at this moment, this time of the year, I do not. I prefer to be barefoot right now. Don't like wearing socks in the summer. How about you, John? Most of you know I wear work boots, and I have for 20 years. I like to have nice, thick cotton socks that I wear for my boots. And I got fashionable a few years ago and got <laughs> I – like, I like blue. I don't like black socks or whatever, you know, like, because most okay. I just like to wear dark blue stuff. Uh-huh. But I have these dark blue socks that have little gold – triangles or squares and different shapes on them. And they, they're just, you know, I don't know. (laughs) They're very comfortable. They're style, you know, they're as as about as stylish as I'm going to get. I've never, you know, I have some, I have some socks that a vendor gave me that are just so off the wall that like, I don't think I could wear them and get away with it because I think everybody think I was crazy. But yeah, I think, I think I I was trying to think back through my life and about my favorite socks. And I'd say, you know, at least now it's those nice, thick blue with some kind of little gold designs on them. Probably my favorite socks. Though I do have to say, uh, Sarah Noel Wilson has socks um, as part of she her does. merch. She does, yes. And they are comfy socks. If anyone out there is looking for a nice pair of comfy socks, um, she does have them. They're in bright colors. Uh, my daughters each have a pair and just love it. Shout out to Sarah. Kate's last question just has me shaking my head, but name your favorite toe. Okay. I'm going out on a limb with this one. All right. Most of you know, I was a musician at one time in my life, was a tuba player, and I was taught how to do articulate saying toe, 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 to where <laughs> your tongue, how your tongue is placed in your mouth when, yeah. you, when you're buzzing and you're articulating. So my favorite toe was listening to my old tuba teacher, Art Hicks, rest in peace, Art. He would just run around his house, like he'd literally walk around his house while I was playing and he'd just say toe, 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 toe. All the time, and that's what I do with my <laughs> my students. Will tell you those that I, I still have some students out there that I see quite often, and they all say that they all remember that yeah. because that's what we did. So that is my favorite toe. Was my my <laughs> first my first private school my first private tuba instructor talking oh. to me about how to articulate and how you when you say that word where it hits in your mouth. And I'm not going to get into the dynamics beyond that, but that's my favorite. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, I, I don't know if I can top that. I'm going to go um, a different different direction. Uh, baby toes. 
I I love the little little tiny baby baby toes that that look like you know like little tiny jelly beans. Uh, I still can remember what when my daughters were tiny tiny and they're little baby toes. So um, I, I don't have a favorite toe on my foot. I have theirs. <laughs> I get that. I, I I like that answer. I, I yeah. I don't remember mine being babies, but I do. I, I know little babies. Mm. It's real cute. The little baby, t- yeah. And we used to get yelled at at church because neither of our girls liked to wear socks. And <laughs> when Jessie was a baby, I, she didn't like anything on her head, didn't like anything on her feet. And she, they put the hats on them right after they're born, and she figured out how to get it off, um, which tells you everything you need to know about Jessica. Yeah, the little old ladies at church. Here comes that baby with no t- no shoes and no socks. I'm like, okay, well, here, you keep them on her then. <laughs> <laughs> That's all of Kate's questions. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Kate. Her partner in crime, though, Mark Alifans, came up <laughs> with just one question. Wendy, what is your favorite bean? These are just weird off-the-wall questions. I love it. Um, I'm going to go with the green bean um, straight from the garden. Th- those are, I think, my favorite beans. How about you? Mr. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, HR Social Hour community. This is Mike Sipple again with the Talent Magnet Institute. Thank you all for reaching out to us, to connecting with us. It has been an awesome half month so far of sponsoring this podcast, this great podcast that we all love and enjoy and are building our communities and networks around. So this week's episode of Ask Us Anything with John and Wendy, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. This is episode 125 and shout out woohoo to John and Wendy for all of your hard work. Thank you to those community members Please continue to reach out to Talent Magnet I and Talent Magnet Institute on Facebook and LinkedIn. We hope you'll also consider to join our private Facebook group, Talent Magnet Institute podcast community on Facebook. Also, don't forget to go over to MikeSippleJR.com, MikeSippleJr.com, and download your virtual onboarding toolkit that was designed for you and your teams. We hope you'll find value in it. And please reach out to us for, with any questions and anything you'd like to learn about the uh, Talent Magnet Leadership Community and what we're putting together, the resources we're providing for our clients and the world around us. Thank you so much. And without further ado, back to Ask Us Anything. All right. We are back with more crazy questions, John. I, you know, this is a lot of fun. Um, this we'll is have, a lot of fun. We'll have to do this again. Kicking off second half, Melanie Hellman asks, what's your favorite kind of pizza and why? Wendy, are you familiar with the pizza cognition theory? No. Okay. Those in the audience, I'm not going to put it in the show notes, but this is a real thing. Sam Sifton, who's the, I think he's still a restaurant critic for the New York Times. Sam Sifton came up with this pizza cognition theory in the late 2010, like 2008, nine, somewhere in there. So about 10, 11 years ago. You know, I'm big on this whole idea of imprint and what you're connected to what you know as a kid or, you know, you know what I mean? Like that there's all that connection. And pizza cognition theory is that first piece of pizza that you eat, everything you eat after that is compared to that. Oh, interesting. And so you're imprinted that now I try to think back and go, what was my first piece? And I can't remember. You know, I don't know yeah. if my mom made it out of a box. You know, it was like Chef Boyardee right. had the box pizza or what it was. We grew up out in the country, so we didn't have pizza chains around us. The first pizza I really remember having, and this is gonna, this is one of those delightfully random things. 1980, Raiders of the Lost Ark is out. 
maybe it was 1981. It was, we, we saw it on cable. We went to a friend's house. They had HBO. Again, we were out in the country. We didn't have cable. Uh-huh. So we went to Louisville to our friend's house and we had Pizza Hut pizza and watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I remember uh, it just vividly. Yeah. And so I think that's one of my, you know, but I'm such a fan of pizza and uh-huh. all its forms that, you know, I can remember that. I can remember beer and pizza in college and, do you have Gumby's Pizza? No. You're at Gumby's Pizza? Okay, so Gumby's Pizza is a small chain where if you know how to order off the menu, they have, and I'm not kidding, folks, they may still have it, the big-ass Gumby. <laughs> and it is the biggest pizza you can ever It's one of the biggest pizzas you're ever going to see. It comes in its own box, but it's not on the menu. You have to ask for the oh. big-ass Gumby. Even like our, our experience with Deep Dish yeah. in Chicago the last time we were up there and how much fun that was. Yeah. I think you know I think one of the great things about pizza, it seems to be one of those foods that we have a lot of good times around it, right? Yes. Like you're not usually sad. Maybe you're sad eating pizza or breakup <laughs> or something. But like yeah. I remember taking my kids to Chuck E. Cheese, and even when the pizza's not great, they serve beer. So it's only so bad. Right, right. What's my favorite kind? It's going to be whatever the next one is. <laughs> I think it's whatever whatever that is. If you really twist my arm, though, there's a place. And Wendy, I don't know. If, did you ever go to JoJo's in Richmond? Sounds familiar. Downtown. But... It was a down. It was a downtown. Hmm. It was only open for lunch. JoJo's Pizza has the JoJo's special, and it's two slices and a drink. Okay. And they have – it's New York style, and the guy who owns it is not named JoJo. I never could figure out why he didn't <laughs> – like, his name was, you know, Antonio or something. It was much more Italian-sounding than JoJo. Anyway, people – we'd go almost, like, once a week when I worked downtown. Oh, wow. We'd go, you know, all the time because it was so good. But he had a – you know, he had a two-slice special, and I would always get one slice that was cheese with Philly cheesesteak. Oh, steak on it. Nice. So it was like, and it's that, that New York style, you know, crust mm-hmm. and oh, guy, the guy was from New York city. He knew what he was doing. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you're going to tie my arm down, I'd say Jojo's pizza, Richmond, Virginia, two slice special, get, get the steak and then get the barbecue chicken, which is okay. the best barbecue chicken pizza I've ever had anywhere. Nice. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say that Taco Pizza has uh, a soft spot in my heart after bonding with Torin over that. Um, I told the, I told the story to my husband that Torin used to have, you know, make a, a pizza. Make a, make a make taco a, pizza. Make a taco pizza <laughs> and say, oh, I guess I didn't pick it up, which my husband was like, yeah, that's brilliant. Pizza Hut was probably the first takeout or uh, rest, restaurant pizza that I had growing up because... I grew up in South Dakota and there's not a lot of choices, but I'm going to, I am going to go to Richmond for probably, uh, yeah, this is probably my top favorite pizza of all time. Shaco bottom pizza. Oh, bottoms up. Bottoms up. It was one of those places that we discovered and just, that was where we took everybody. Um, they, then they flooded, which was so sad. I used to get, um, they had a white pizza with crab and, uh, and cheese on it. That was, which was great. Uh, and one of the things I really liked about Bottoms Up is that, you know, they serve it by the slice, the gigantic slice. So I could get what I want and my husband could get what he wants. And there was, there was no arguing over it, <laughs> but their crust was, is just oh so good. Um, loved it. Yeah. I'm going to go back several years for that, but Bottoms Up is still around. Awesome. They did, you know, they came back after mm-hmm. the flood. I think they were closed for gosh, almost a year, but yeah. uh they are back, and that is really, really good stuff. I, yeah. I have to wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, that, that became one of those places, you know, people come to visit. All right, we got to go to Bottoms Up, you know, on the list of places to take people. I want to thank Melanie again, because yeah. I never thought I would actually get to talk about pizza cognition theory on a <laughs> podcast about HR. 
Thank you, Melody. Oh, love it. All right. It. I, I don't know if the next one is actually a person, but the Hostile Work Environment podcast asks, <laughs> they are asking for a friend. What's your favorite employment law podcast? Well, you know, there are so many to choose from. I really wish John Hyman would have one because then I could listen to that over having to be forced to listen to the hostile work environment. Getting obviously loving that they're back. I love that we can um, give them a hard time on Twitter and text. I know I was um, texting Kate a little bit. Hey, when are you going to drop the next one with all this Supreme Court stuff coming up? I love their back and they are my favorite. I have to be honest, I'm not even aware of another employment law podcast out there. I don't there. know that there is. <laughs> I don't. I, I think they have. You, we think we're niche in right. our space. I think they're even more niche. Yes, they are. I'm not saying I wouldn't listen to somebody else, but I can remember when I first first connected with Mark, gosh, you know, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. it seems like now, when he was starting out and they hooked me early. And yeah. anybody that had a t-shirt as funny as theirs with that <laughs> old school, you know, like that old... Yeah. That old beating on it was really was really quite humorous. We're going to agree that WE is is our favorite because it's really the only one that we're aware of. <laughs> but as Wendy said, if anybody's aware of another show, let us know. Yeah. Send us a note. If you are an employment law podcaster that we don't know, we'd love to talk to you just to yes. get to know you a little bit. There's always room for more. All right. John, um, from Jeff Pakowski. What musical group, past or present, would you love to perform with and performing what musical instrument? This is where it gets really, really hard. (laughs) And I'm taking the cheap way out because I'm going to have two. Okay. And I'm going to separate into two things, one being competitive and one being non-competitive. Because most of you know, I was a a music teacher. I, I taught a lot of high school marching bands in my career and had a great deal of fun with that. I'm a huge fan of the competitive drum and bugle course circuit. And unfortunately they're off like everybody else this summer, but there are quite a few folks in our community, Jeff and Brad Galen and Nicole uh, Garotti and quite a few other people that are into that stuff too. And so it's fun to talk about those things. It's the one regret I have in my musical past is that I did not compete, you know, perform in a competing drum corps unit in that respect. If I had a chance to perform with that, it would be with the 1986 Concord blue devils from Concord, California, I'd be playing the contrabass bugle. I would have a sweet black leather newsboy cap, their workout gloves that they wore instead of the white gloves with sweatbands. They wore black fingerless gloves and black wristbands. And it's my my favorite drum corps (laughs) show of all time. It's just got this energy and this, it's a Latin jazz show. It's just incredibly great. Awesome. So that's, that's the competitive side, the non-competitive side, because again, I couldn't boil it down to one. The other one is there's a very, very famous trumpet player named Don Ellis who made his own trumpet out of, it had four valves for oh, those wow. of you that are into music. It's, so he could play quarter tones. If you think about if you, so when oh, if you go yeah. to the piano and you hit two white keys next to each mm-hmm. other, there's a note in between. So he was playing 32 note chromatic scales. Oh, good Lord. Stuff was crazy. And he wrote, wow. his music was in all kinds of crazy. Like he wrote a piece that's in three, it's three layers of nine. He wrote another piece that was in 32, four. The guy was crazy. Oh my God. Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> but he's one of my favorites. Anyhow. 1970, Don Ellis puts out Don Ellis Live at Fillmore. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. It was a big band that was not just like a jazz band with trumpets and trombones and saxophones. He had brass quintet, so he had horns and oh, trombone wow. and tuba and that kind of thing. He'd have a woodwind quintet. He had, you know, all this other stuff on stage, mm-hmm. huge ensemble. So I would play tuba on the Don Ellis Live at Fillmore album. Nice. 
Like, Jeff's probably the only person that listens to the show that even knows what I'm talking about. But uh, probably Jeff would. But, I, yeah, I think I know one other person, kind of at least community adjacent, that listens to that stuff. <laughs> Anyhow, great question. Yeah. And Jeff tweaked it just a bit for uh-huh. you. Question to you is: What musical, past or present, would you want to be a performing and what part would you perform? I'm also doing two because I have a serious answer and then a silly answer. Um, so <laughs> okay. Serious answer is um, I would love to be Rosie in Mamma Mia. We did have it here in um, Brookings last summer. I was an extra or in the ensemble, um, but it was a lot of fun. I did have to drop out just because last summer got crazy busy and I just couldn't um, I couldn't devote the time to it. That was that was necessary. But um, Rosie is, I think, one of the most fun characters in musical lore, and I, I love that. Uh, um, I loved watching Mrs. Weasley play her in the movie. I thought that was hysterical. My silly answer, and this is because Maggie and I like to talk, do gender bending when we're talking about some of our favorite movies and shows, and what would it be like if all the male parts were played by females? And so um, I would play King George in the gender bending Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> I think he, that Very part is, it's short. I mean, he's on stage for nine minutes, but it totally, um, it's just that fun, like comic relief that you kind of need um, in the middle of, of some of the seriousness of that show. I would pay somebody if they could animate Kristoff and the reindeer from uh, Frozen singing King George songs. I'm just going to put that out there because um, the same gentleman does both. Jonathan Groff plays both parts. And I think it would be hysterical to see a Disney character with reindeer singing backup, singing King George. I'd like to answer this question too, if I may. Sure. Sky Masterson and Guys and Dolls. Oh, I completely forgot about Adelaide. Oh my God. I would love to do Adelaide. I was really fortunate to perform in the orchestra pit in a lot of shows in high school and Guys and Dolls is probably my favorite. That's, I just, I love that music and oh. it's just so much fun. And yeah. anyway, so yeah. I, I can't I, believe I forgot that musical. Well, I, it's, it's hard. We've got so 100 much. years worth of musicals, right? right? Right. But that is, I mean, that is a classic. I saw that in dinner theater for the first time in dinner theater in LA visiting uh, my aunt and uncle over Christmas when I was in high school and just fell in love with the story. So, and uh, Adelaide, again, I like the comic relief characters apparently. Yeah, Adelaide. <laughs> Never love an Adelaide. <laughs> Jay Palacki asks, what is one song you would like on replay during your podcast? All right, first out, I want to shout out Jay. She owns HR Geckos. They have one of the coolest logos around. I really want some HR Gecko yes, swag. So, Jay, we've talked about it. I Me would too. love to send you something in return, <laughs> but I got to have something with your logo because I still think it looks like Godzilla, and I love it. I think it's awesome. This is really hard from the standpoint that if you Uh think about it, podcasts are much like music in that this is not a monotone conversation. We've gone all over the board tonight. We've talked about some little more serious stuff in HR or what can we do to improve. And we've talked about pizza Uh cognition theory. And then we talked about Wendy being the king (laughs) in in Hamilton. It's really hard to say one song. Like, I I mean, if I want to be funny, I'd just say like Yakety Sax, right? I mean, just something silly that or or the main theme to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That something like that. Sure. But then there's other stuff like, mm-hmm. and I did get, I started really thinking about this. I guess the one that could fit all the moods would be the soundtrack to Tron Legacy from Daft Punk. I don't know if I know that one. Go see it. It's on Disney Plus. That movie is awesome. Daft Punk is the greatest 
it's just awesome. They're in it and they're wearing gear that they look like Daft Punk, but in Tron. It's amazing. <laughs> and the word on the street is they're making Tron three and they're going to be part of it. I'm all in that. You know, if, oh, if you okay. if if I'll you like Daft them. Punk, then you might dig it. If you don't, you won't. I would love to, I would love to know what your answer is going to be to this because I would love to be able to put a little snippet of something under this, but I just don't know what it would be. And maybe it's Yakety Sacks. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. I was like, hmm, this is, this one's kind of hard. I was listening to some podcasts this week. Heard that um, Marconi died, and I didn't know who he was. And then someone started playing his music, which he scored the spaghetti, all the spaghetti westerns. So maybe some spaghetti okay. western music kind of fits what uh, kind of what we do a little bit. We're he all he also the scored The Untouchables <laughs> in 1987. That's one of my favorites yes. of his because it sounds like a superhero movie soundtrack or you know score. But yeah, anyway, that, it's a great question. It's really hard though because I think it if is. we were if we were yeah. serious all the time, it'd be one thing. But I think since we're not, it's it's a little more difficult. It's a lot harder. But it's a it's a great question. A Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Like funded, funded debate. Mary Williams yes. came in at the wire here and said, is there a dream guest you wish you could have on the HR social hour, but haven't yet? Who would you like to invite? And then she had put a little note, make it manifest it, make it happen, which I appreciate. I know we've broached this at least, I think we broached this on Lori's show, but Wendy, is there anybody that, that we haven't had yet that you'd love to have on? So fantasy, no. I think the last time we talked about this, um, we have we have put it out there for Beyonce. That hasn't happened yet. And then I, I think I also said Mark Evan Jackson, um, another uh, podcaster and um, kind of plays all those random folks for fantasy. But in the HR realm, I, I don't know, because I love that, you know, that next great guest is is out there that we just haven't met yet. I love that what we do on here is just introduce people to other people and other people and other people. And so I can't think of anyone in the HR field that we haven't been able to, to reach out to and and have on yet. Well, not to sound like a jerk, but I'm going to bet (laughs) that whoever that dream guest is, is not coming through some kind of marketing agency. And I'm just saying that because yet again, it's been a very frustrating week (laughs) for me getting all these ludicrous invites and Hey, if you're a marketing person listening, we're happy to share our rates with you. You get paid yeah. and I don't know who your people and nine times out of 10, it's not anything very mm-hmm. exciting. I think Wendy said yeah. it really well, though. We do get to meet so many great people and have met so many great people and have been connected to so many great mm-hmm. people through the great people we know. I don't really have a dream right. guest. I, I guess I don't I don't want to say I don't dream about HR, but I try not to. I have other podcasts that I would love to do that have nothing to do with this medium at all. And I have a, you know, who's who's list of that for HR social hour. No, there's not really a, a dream guest. We've had everybody, we've had one person tell us no. And, and that person doesn't mm-hmm. do podcasts and we respect them for that. Yep. That invitation would always be there. would love to have them take part, but Hey, that's them. And that's yes. cool. I mean, it was definitely not a yep. unpleasant. They're just like, nah, it's not my thing. And I get it. Right. Oh, Exactly. No, we don't take it personally. Not at all. John, Amy House asks, if you could be an extra on an episode of The Office, which episode would you choose? I told Amy this may be the hardest question of the night. It's a, it's an excellent <laughs> question. She must listen enough to know we talk a lot about it. Wendy, I don't know about yeah. you, but I'm keeping up with Office ladies, and I, I love – they really hit their groove. They hit it quick, and then they figured out they oh, figured out how to get – state farm insurance to sponsor them. And it's so subtle because 
it's a State Farm moment. And just like the office ladies are there for you, State Farm is. So I'm giving State Farm a free plug on our show because, hey, State Farm, we'd nice. love to talk to you. It was such a cool drop in. And like, nice. it's not an ad read because it's part of the show. This one was not real hard. I, as the more I thought about it, it's the episode yeah. called Goodbye, Michael. It's season seven where Michael leaves to go to Colorado to be with, with oh. Holly. And I'll tell you why, because that show could have ended then and I would have been just fine. I would love to yeah. have been in that room and I can't wait to hear that episode off slays. It's going to be way down the road before they get to it. But I'm sure just the emotion, I'm sure it was palpable because everybody had to be just devastated. Mm-hmm. He was leaving. But I think that that yeah. last scene when Pam runs into the airport and the mics are off, it's just beautiful. And it, that could have been the end. I would love yeah. to have been around just to see what that was like. It, it's fun. But I, yeah, the more I thought of it, I was like, yeah, it's goodbye, Michael. Because it's such a, I thought to me, like I said, it was a great, it could have been the end of the show. Because let's face it, the rest of that season's kind of a hot mess. You right. get you get him yeah. and you'd get a little bit of Will Ferrell too before he yeah. was gone in two episodes. For me, um, again, I'm picking two because I couldn't quite decide. The first one is the booze cruise. Ah, okay. And really after listening, because I think that was the last episode of The Office Ladies I listened to before I just ran out of time and uh, and being able to listen to stuff. But it just sounded like they had a lot of fun on that. They were still kind of getting to know each other, um, kind of hitting their groove. You know, you would have been on, on a booze cruise with them. Um, <laughs> so that would have been a lot of fun. Um, the other one is the dinner party episode. Oh, the cringiest where, um, one of all. Michael and Jan. <laughs> it cringiest. is the cringiest, cringiest yes. episode. Um, and, you know, to to be the, you know, the extra as Dwight's date or um, in some way just be, you know, or the police officer that shows up at the end. I, just the, the whole cringiness of it um, is actually funny because somebody asked me recently, we were talking and said, you know, I, I bet it would be really funny to work under somebody like, like a Michael Scott. And my first response was no. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun on the outside, not on the inside, but um, some of those cringy episodes, it kind of, kind of make real life a little bit more bearable sometimes. Amanda Brunson asked, who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? Tina Fey. That one was easy for me. I, I, I love her. She's got a quirky sense of humor. I, I, yeah, I think I think she could capture me. How about you? You know, this one's hard because let's face it, I'm no Tom Cruise. <laughs> the role of his lifetime. The role huh? of his lifetime. Hey, he played Jack Reacher, who's supposed to be like six and a half feet tall, and he's five foot even or whatever he is. Well, uh, he yeah. played the char- that character in um, um, Tropic Thunder. Oh, that's true. Was we pat him up. You know what? We pat him yeah. up. Maybe it might work. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> This was hard because I. This one was hard. Yeah, you know, I, there's so many great character actors. That's kind of what I feel like. Somebody that you know, one of the really solid character actors out there would would probably be great. I, I think it's kind of like the candy bar question. I don't even know if I'd want a, a movie in my life. Huh? I think I'm good. <laughs> Love it. All right, so John, if you weren't in HR, what career do you think you'd be doing? You know, I have education background, and I was a teacher. Many of you don't know, I was actually in a track to go to work on a doctoral program. Basically, I would have had to taught X amount of years in public school, middle school, high school level. And then I was, I had already lined up a, a track with a very prestigious school to be a PhD student. I think if things had worked out differently, I probably would have pursued that. I probably yeah. would have gotten that doctorate and then gone on to teach at the college level. I think that's kind of where I, that's, 
where that was heading at the time. Now, again, life changed dramatically. And, uh-huh. you know, I look back and say, you know, 20 years ago when I was teaching music, if somebody said, hey, you know, hey, Mr. Thurman, you're up here in front of a bunch of, you know, 11 year olds trying to get them how to put the horn in the right, you know, right side of their mouth. <laughs> you know, now, now you're uh, now you're doing this thing called a podcast, which you've never heard of. And you're talking to people about human resources, which I didn't know what the hell that was. Uh, it may have something right. called personnel back back then. I think more than likely, probably would have stayed in academics somehow. You know, I always say though, my dream job is to own a comic book shop and wear t shirts every day and live the life of Riley. But I don't, I don't see that happening. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, it, it is a good question. I was, uh, I was on track to go to law school. That didn't quite happen. If I could, you know, do whatever I want, I would want to, I would want to be writing, doing, doing a podcast, maybe on a different topic, maybe wine, maybe beer, um, (laughs) doing, doing the social media for eponymous. There we go. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, someone who's going to pay me to drink wine and talk about it all day. That, that would be the, you know, the dream again, not like, kind of like you don't have to wear dress up every day t-shirt and jeans or sweatshirt and jeans or yeah, sweatshirt and jeans. So I, you know, it, it's hard to say cause it's, I'm, I'm really, I am happy that I stuck with HR. I'll just say that because I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't. There you go. And I like, I like what we're doing. We're at the end. And interestingly enough, Michael Malady asked us, <laughs> what are we doing to celebrate John and Wendy day? And we discussed this before we got started. Yeah. We're not celebrating our day together. For those of you that don't know, we are not married. So we're not, while, while I'm all happy to celebrate Wendy Daily Day, she's getting her own day. John Thurman's getting his own day. Yeah, we get our own day. Wendy, what, what are we doing to celebrate Wendy Daily Day all around the world? Well, obviously there is wine, bread, and cheese involved. Honestly, at this point, yeah, there'd be some good food. We'd be at either a uh, big old lake house or house up in the mountains with my friends, just hanging out and enjoying life, laughing, um, maybe watching silly movies or having movies on in the background that where everyone knows all the words so that we can quote it or um, we'll have Hamilton on and we can break out in song whenever we want. And uh, just, you know, just enjoying being being together with no no worry of COVID. How about you, John? We're going to eat well, <laughs> Chinese preferably, maybe pizza, because again, pizza cognition theory. Obviously pizza at this point. In the morning, you're listening to great music or listening to podcasts, whatever your audio choice is these days. Spending time with your friends and family. In the afternoon, we're doing something to better ourselves in our in our communities, whatever that may be in your way. And maybe it's recording a podcast. Maybe it's spending some time volunteering somewhere. And in the evening, you're watching something really, really silly. Uh, I, you know, I just, I believe, I truly believe in laughter being great medicine. And any time in the world, I think laugh, laughing is a, a wonderful thing and a beautiful thing. Uh, yesterday, I literally, I got a note from a very dear friend was laughing like I was literally on the floor in tears and Heidi was just like, what are you? And when I told her, she's like, it, it, it was really, really funny. It was not nearly as funny to her, but it just struck right. me at right time. And it was about LinkedIn, which made it even funnier. And, oh, you know, it's awesome. just one of those things where I think we could all, we all enjoy and, and need good laughs every now and again. And, and like you said, maybe it's something that, you know, it's eminently quotable and everybody in the room knows it. It makes it that much funnier just to have that communal experience. But yeah. eating well, spending time with with friends and family, 
spending some time doing something for others and then uh, ending the day with a laugh. I love it. I love it. And that's it. We're done. Yay. We're done. We, we survived all your crazy questions. We survived all the questions. <laughs> and as we tell folks, for those of you that didn't contribute and you say, oh, gee, they're giving away another prize. Yes, we're giving away a prize. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. that gave us a question or three or four. You only get one entry per vote. I did make that very clear to Kate Bischoff. Even with her litany of questions, she got one entrance like everybody else. But Wendy, fire up that wheel and let's see who's going to win. All right. Here we go. And the winner is Miss Pizza Cognition Theory herself, Melanie Hellman. Woo, Melanie. Congratulations, Melanie. We will be in touch uh, when this show is out. We will have already talked to you. We appreciate everybody taking part, as always. Yes. Tremendous fun. Like you said, Wendy, we're going to do this again. Mm -hmm. Let's do it in six months or so. We'll plan around 150. We'll do it again. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. Well, if they've made it this far, they probably know us. But if they don't, if this is somebody's, every every podcast is somebody's first episode, which is kind of crazy. So if this is your first episode, welcome. This is not the typical episode. (laughs) But but if you've stung around this long, then we'll always welcome back. But Wendy, if someone is not connected with you, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Well, once again, I want to thank Talent Magnet Institute for sponsoring this thank month you. and this particular episode. For me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Subscribe. Please subscribe. Please do. That's all we're asking anymore. International (laughs) listeners, if you've listened this far, you're probably a a fairly dedicated listener. And we really do. We have something we want to send you. So get in touch. Let us know how to to send something your way to be in part. Wendy, as always, it's a pleasure, my friend. I'm glad we've we've made it this far. We we literally answered everything that was asked. Again, we'll we'll yes, be we we'll be back to regular programming next week. Yep. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye.